1: You're listening to the Adam Carricker Show on 937 The Ticket and The Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Slight delay there, but it is time for the people's segment. All right, let's get to your questions, comments, con- concerns, thoughts, and or otherwise. All right. Notorious B.I.B. says, Adam, is it just me or, t- or does some of Satterfield's play calling? Have you scratching your head at times? So, okay. So we're playing the worst run defense in the entire Big Ten Conference in Northwestern. They also have the worst rushing offense. Talked about that before okay and we're one of only 8 teams in all of America that are top 25 rush offense rush defense okay some of the other teams pretty good teams Oregon UCLA right Cincinnati um, other pretty good teams as well that are not coming to my mind and I don't have the list in front of me and we come out throwing the ball I was a little bit confused by that and obviously it's highlighted by the fact that we had two interceptions pretty pretty quick to me it's like And I know they worked on the pass game specifically in the bye week. And I know Satterfield would like to pass the ball more, but it's kind of like we are who we are, be who we are, take advantage of who they are and who they are not. So I was a little bit perplexed by that. Now, had we taken some deep shots downfield early, play action passes, okay? You know, a belly G option pass early in the game. Of course, it worked later on, so it's hard to criticize that. But using Malachi Coleman is my point. Throwing some deep balls to him, maybe just trying to stretch the field a little bit with Thomas Fedoni or some folks like that. I could have been like, okay, you're opening up the, the holes for the run game, but that wasn't really what we were doing. They were short to intermediate passes. So for me, the the the, the injuries on offense, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's not it's not a hill, ladies and gentlemen. It's a mountain that Marcus Satterfield's trying to climb right now. He's he's got a he's got a lot he's dealing with, but. A lot of the guys that I just mentioned that are out were playing at the start of the game. All the facts that I just stated are 100% true. So I would have loved to have seen us run the ball better or more often early on, which probably would have allowed us to play better as an offense. Every once in a while, his play calls befuddle me a little bit. I kind of feel like there's things he wants to do versus maybe things that we're good at. The, I don't know that we can say that all the time. I don't know that we can say more often than not at this point. Some of it might be, hey, I've got a lot of players banged up and just trying to figure out what will and won't work with the guys that are in there who are younger, who haven't had as much reps. So let's be fair to coach Satterfield on that as well. I think the biggest thing that perplexed me was the throwing right off the bat versus Northwestern. We didn't run the ball. We didn't throw deep. It wasn't play action. It was just straight drop back. Like Harburg seems to be better off the play action than a straight drop back as well. So That's my answer to that question, but that's a man who's got a lot on his plate right now, so I'm not going to be too harsh at all at this moment in time. He has his work cut out for him as Coach Satterfield. All right. Longsker says, if by the end of the season Michigan loses to Penn State and Ohio State loses to Michigan, all by the same amount of points, who do you take in the Big Ten championship game? I'm assuming – Okay, that Michigan then loses to Penn State in this scenario. That wasn't included, but I, I'm assuming that's it's like a three-way tie. They all have one loss and things of that nature. So there's different ways you could do it. You most 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 conferences would go by who was the highest ranked team. Like whoever the highest of the three ranked teams is, is probably who they'd go with. I think you can take into account strength of schedule. I think it's not just head to head losses, but you know, there's point spreads. Like If Michigan beats Ohio State by 24 points, that has to be taken into account. To me, you know, it only goes down in the record books as a loss, but that's got to mean more than if uh, Penn State shocks everyone and beats Michigan by four points. Like, not every loss is created equal because how the game plays out, what happens, has to matter. I have always thought that 97 Nebraska would have beaten 97 Michigan, and I feel like most people that year felt the same. But there were two things and two reasons why it ended up being a split national title, and in all reality, it was closer to Michigan winning both the AP and coaches Poll than Nebraska. And the first reason is the fleet kicker. I felt like Nebraska almost got punished. Like it was a loss, even though they won that game, and there was some luck involved, but they won. But I almost felt like a lot of people almost viewed that as a loss. Okay, even though it was a win, it wasn't treated equal to all the other wins. Also, if you remember, to Michigan's credit, and I do believe Nebraska would have won. Both great defenses. One team had a really good offense, one didn't, and that team was Nebraska. But Michigan played the the toughest strength of schedule, excuse me, toughest strength of schedule of any team in the country that year. And so I felt like that helped them a little bit. So my point is, I'm assuming all the losses look the same. They all have one loss. There's nothing that really separates one team from another. It all looks relatively the same. And to be clear, I think Michigan's gonna beat Ohio State and Penn State, but you never know. I think you just go with whoever the highest ranked team is because I think the polls will take that into consideration. The committee so to speak, we'll take all that into consideration. just go with the highest strength team. All right. Garbologist says, is there any older, more physically developed defensive linemen that are buried on the depth chart that you could try moving to the offensive line over a young player? So I actually, during the commercial break, was looking. I'm aware of most of the guys on this team, but I was like, all right, is there anybody I'm missing? Is there anybody who could possibly do this? I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll throw out a couple names. I doubt if it's likely. I don't even know if it's a good idea. Um, you know, maybe Riley Van Poppel. I don't know if he's quite the correct size. And I have some thoughts on this in general too. Like we have a couple of defensive linemen who are 300, 320 as I'm scrolling here and I'm looking through. Okay. Most of them are younger guys, to be honest with you. There aren't many that are older that aren't already starting that are around that size. Here's the problem though. Offensive line is completely different than D-line. Now, this guy is a guy who would have had to have played offensive line very recently because going from O-line to D-line is a completely and utterly different thing. They, the, if they had not played a ton of offensive line recently, the odds of them making an immediate impact would not be great. Now, I've seen it happen before. I played with a guy named Jared Helming. He actually just went into the Missouri High School Hall of Fame. Okay, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was Missouri Gatorade Player of the Year, defensive tackle, recruited by Jeff Jamrock, got to Nebraska, immediately had knee injuries. I believe he tore an ACL in each of his knees, and he was really struggling as a D-lineman. They moved him to offensive line because his movement wasn't as good as it was. Now, he ended up starting the last year or two of his career, but there was a year in there where it was it was rough. The transition from D-line to O-line was rough for him. It was completely different. And he ended up figuring it out. It took him a solid year to year and a half, like two off seasons, end of season to figure it out. And he ended up starting for a year or two. Okay. And he did, he did fairly well. He battled with everything he had, you know, and I always respected that other than he held the crap out of me in practice every day. I didn't appreciate that. He was the worst holding offensive lineman we had. And I've told him several times, we're friends to this day. Our wives, they were like bridesmaids in each other's weddings. So I can say this plus it's true. You little holder. But it took him about a year and a half to figure it out. So if we're looking for immediate impact, it's got to come from an offensive lineman currently on the offensive line. So I'm, I'm excited about Prohaska being back and some of these other guys. And I'm just curious to see who can step up and who can make an impact and, you know, who can surprise us. Next man up mentality. Until next time, Husker Nation, go Big Red Nose. Remember, the the